Hello, you are listening to the Beyond Bronte's podcast where we aim to demystify the TV and film industry by interviewing the people who actually work in it. I'm your host, Abigail Houseman, and this week we are talking to Tracy Forsyth, empowerment coach, mentor, and yogi extraordinaire. Before her portfolio career, Tracy had worked in practically every level of production, and in this episode we get her top tips on building resilience, believing in yourself, and building up your network via Twitter, Wales, and a former Australian tennis player. Enjoy! Okay, and we are recording, uh, so if you would like to introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi there, my name is Tracy Forsyth, and I've worked in the television industry for 27 years, um, starting all the way at the bottom as a trainee researcher runner, and then all the way at the top through, well, my journey took me through researching, assistant producing, producer directing, um, series producing, series editing, and then commissioning, and then finally as a divisional director at BBC Worldwide, looking after a big team. I now uh, have a portfolio career, which means that I have lots of different part-time jobs that come together to make up my income. So I'm now a creative mentor at Channel 4's Indie Growth Fund. So Channel 4 invest in startup indies and I help advise them on who to invest in. And also once those companies are invested in, I um, work with the indie owner on their business strategy, their creative strategy, just as a confidential sounding board for them to do whatever I can to help them grow their business. I, one of my other jobs is that I work with a, um, a non-profit organization called Women in Film and Television, and they exist to really help women succeed in the film and television industry because there's still not really an equal um, footing, especially for things like women directors, as there, there are many, many more male directors than female directors. So I run the mentoring scheme there for mid-career women. So mid-career means you've had about seven to 10 years experience. So each year we take 20 women from all walks of the industry who've applied and um, kind of put them on a six month boot camp, a scheme to, to help them boost their careers. What I spend my time, most of my time doing now is coaching. So I'm, an, I'm also now a professional certified coach. So I coach a lot of leaders across the television industry and outside of the TV industry and law and finance. Um, and that's really helping to empower people to find clarity of direction and purpose and just help them through transitions in their lives and understand their mission, all that kind of thing. Um, finally, I am also a professional yoga teacher and I teach a, I invented a workshop called Yoga in the Boardroom. You can check me out on Instagram or my YouTube channel. And it's really about, um, or the, the Yoga in the Boardroom is really about how to use techniques from yoga in your everyday life at work or while you're studying or whatever to enhance your physical and mental well-being so it's not about being in lycra on a yoga mat it's really about how to use breath to feel calm and confident how to use posture to increase your physical well-being but also your mental self-belief in yourself and um, it, it's also about using yogic philosophy of being kind, speaking your truth, 
and listening to your gut in your everyday life. So helping as a sort of guidance. That's, that's me. That's amazing. So there's so much there that we could dig into and and talk about. Um, and I'm really excited too. Um, I guess to start off with, you've had such a long career and a very very varied career Um, and you you have kind of gone up through those ranks Um, so I guess you will have encountered problems along the way definitely (laughs) yes yeah I think the thing is is that what you've got to remember this is a super super competitive industry and there are always many more people who want to get into it than um, there are places available but if that's your passion and that's what sparks joy in you, then you've got to go for it. And so I remember taking it taking a long time for me to get my first foot in the door, uh, especially because at the time I was living in Wales um, and there, there was everything at the, in those days, a long time ago, were, were all happening in the cities. So it, it, it wasn't very easy for me to get work experience or get any kind of foot in the door. But eventually, back then, what you want, what how you got jobs was, um, well, one of the ways was the Guardian had a media Guardian uh, a section in the paper. Um, there wasn't sort of online job searching and all this kind of thing. And eventually, I, I answered an ad for a, a BBC lunchtime magazine show coming out of South Wales, and they needed five runners, trainee researchers, they called them, and I applied to that and luckily got that first job. And that was like one of the happiest days of my life, getting that very, very first job. And then from then on, you know, that was just a three month contract. And so, you know, from for the next sort of 15 years or so, 17 years maybe, I went, I was always a freelancer. So I, I had to hustle all the time for my next job. And I suppose that's what I realized very early on is that to get any kind of job in TV or the the, the, the industry, you you obviously have to have talent, um, and on top of that, you have to work hard uh, to get noticed and to to do the job well. But the other bit that was so important, I think, was the networking or the or the hustling, as I call it, because you basically I, I got into a pattern that a month before my contract was up I'd have to start lining up the next job so that's when the kind of hustling came in so by that I mean asking around approaching people speaking to people on the production who were more senior than me and asking where they were going you know whether there was a job for me so if there's one thing I would say and and if you wanted any kind of guidance for those who are entry level it's really to think about um, the hustle so yes you are talented yes I know you will work Work hard because you're passionate about this this industry so you will be those two things but the hustle just involves making sure you get noticed making sure that um, you make contacts on those productions making sure that you tell people that you're wanting another job um, just keeping in contact with people all the time so I have I have contacts now you know that go back those 25 uh, 27 years um so don't be shy about sort of the hustle um, and also for me i just really loved production and i didn't really care what i worked on um i just really enjoyed filming and being around content was produced and just wanted to learn more so for me i just got into a pattern of hustling and then accepting the next job that came my way and as long as i was learning something or doing something slightly different 
I was super, super happy. There are other people who are just passionate about documentary or passionate about entertainment. And so it's just like sort of keeping that those kind of people would be keeping a focus on, they might have to wait a little bit longer for the exact right program to come up for them. And and if you want to do that, if you want to really keep focused on one genre, then it's just always to think actually, have a little try and build up, no matter how small, you know, a little nest egg while you are in employment to give yourself a bit of a buffer in case there is um, a, a bit of time before you're earning again. I was going to ask if when you went for that runner role, that first one, whether or not it like matched your expectations of, of what you were going to go and, and do. Oh but obviously, it, yeah. yeah, it was the perfect, perfect role because it was a lunch, you know, like a lunchtime magazine show. It was in it was on location. It was in a garden festival in Ebervale, which is um, it was an old coal mine that had been sort of revamped. Um, and so it was a live lunchtime program. And it would have celebrity guests on, you know, uh, uh, plugging their, marketing their latest book. It would have bands on. It would have um, little location features, pre-recorded features. Uh, and because it was a daily show, things went to a very, very fast pace. So in terms of actually seeing all aspects of television, well, a lot of them, you know, studio, location, fast turnaround, celebrities, features, etc., etc. It was absolutely perfect. Now, the, the the one thing I would say is that they called it trainee researcher, and I definitely, you know, learned so much. Slash runner, and the runner bit was like um, because this was based in a garden festival in Wales, in sort of Powys, it was. So that's the other end of the M4 from London. And most of the guests at that time, the celebrity guests, lived in London. And this show went on air at 12 o'clock every day, 12 noon. So the runners actually were, were, were given, you know, hire cars and had to, mostly my job was to travel down to London, to drive down to London, uh, find somewhere to stay overnight with a friend or whatever. We were given a, a, an allowance. And at the crack of dawn, like at six o'clock or whatever, knock on the celebrity's home, get them to get into the car and then drive them the four hours up to the show. And then sometimes have to drive them back afterwards. So I was a glorified Uber driver. Um, but uh, it, that in itself was an experience because you often got to sit in a car with a celebrity for that amount of time. So, you know, some were brilliant, some weren't brilliant. And I think that, that was a great education as well, is that sometimes people that you see on screen aren't aren't what they you know it's not what they're like in real life and 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 vice versa some people really surprise you and some people unfortunately you know um don't live up to expectations um but that's not naming any names obviously no 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 (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say was there anyone really difficult to wake up like were you there knocking loudly on the door i had i don't know whether you guys will remember but there was this very uh Flash, sort of handsome Australian tennis player called Pat Cash. He had won. You might want to Google him. He had the whole mullet and everything. But he was a bit of a heartthrob at the time, Pat Cash. And he lived in Fulham, which is like in West London. And so I I turned up at his house to pick him up and uh, knocked on the door, no answer, you know, knocked on the door. About three knocks that eventually 
uh, I don't think it was him, it was his wife that opened the door, very glamorous, beautiful lady. Uh, and I think they'd had twins or something like that. Anyway, so they were like, oh, no, no, you're really, really early. What are you doing here? You know, so I said, oh, well, I've come to pick you up for the show. And I think Pat Cash wasn't even awake yet, you know, because it was like 6.30, <laughs> 7 o'clock. <laughs> so she brought me in and um, sat me down. Uh, and she said, okay, so where are we going? And I said, oh, are we going to Ebervale? And she was like, how long is that away? And I said, oh, it's like four hours. And she was like, no way. So then she woke up Pat. Pat came down in his pajamas. Um, there was little old me sitting there, 23 years old, very geeky and gawky at their breakfast table. And he was like, there's no way I'm getting into a car for three hours. You know, I've spent my entire life traveling as a tennis player around the world, et cetera, et cetera. So then I I, I, I was like, okay. And, and luckily, they, you know, they weren't going to take it out on me because they could clearly see it wasn't my fault. So we sat there while he rang his agent and, uh, and you know, I ran, rang the show to say what had happened and all this kind of thing went on for probably about... Um, half an hour or so by which time it was getting cutting it very fine to be able to get him in the car and get him up time and eventually he said no you know I'm, I'm not coming and uh he was very nice they were both very very nice and very very sweet to me so they sort of gave me breakfast and then they sent me on my way but that's nice you got you got a free breakfast out of your yes, four I, hour yeah, journey yeah. i got to you... have breakfast with pat cash yeah exactly <laughs> but also you they... you had to get back to the show presumably to not well, do running yes i can't remember what happened whether i had to i can't remember whether they allowed me to stay and then pick up the next guest or or whether i had to go back i can't really remember yeah yeah but be, also being other than actually being a the, the the driver on that show it was great to be out helping the assistant producers on shoots and you know taking notes and getting people to the right place at the right time and a really great learning experience to see how you know what shots were collected and then how they were put together in the edit and see that the, the um, films go out the next day yeah you get a sense of sort of pride because you're like oh i helped with that was Ooh. partly down to me um, definitely I think that's a really the the story about Pat Cash is really interesting because I think it really helps us go into this topic of resilience because if you weren't a resilient person and someone who could think on their feet I think you would have reacted very differently to that well you know what I think most people who go to television are very good communicators and they're very good problem solvers because that's really the nature of the job. I mean, I I, I do think um, because you're having to sort things out and you're having to cajole and communicate and get contributors on and you're having to be creative about locations and um, and also you often have a deadline. You know, like if you're working on a show or or making a film, you have to pull everything together for a specific time and then it's done. You know, so I think most people that go in, you know, are naturally those kind of people. They may not realize it, but they probably are um, the people listening, I'm sure, are going to be creative and resourceful and problem solvers will be able to get stuff done. Uh, So I think there is a natural resilience in people who go into television because you have to deal with what happens like so for example if you're out filming and you thought it was going to be a dry day and it's raining well you know you're kind of going to think 
okay, what can I do? You know, and, and people will be so passionate about wanting to make their film or their content or their interview that they will find a way. The, 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 on the other hand, the thing that I think is, it is needed is that, is the resilience to keep going in terms of finding jobs. Um, so I think people are naturally resilient kind of people who come to television in terms of dealing with the job uh, once they're on it. The, the, the harder thing is sort of keeping your spirits up and not getting dismayed or disheartened when you are looking for a job. And I think there's a very big distinction or, or one thing that I would really like to reiterate to your listeners is that even if you don't have a job you know say you've been working and you've got your job in television your first job etc etc and you've done a good job even if it takes you a while to get another job it doesn't take away from all the many talents and and the value that you have um you know because i know in my life whenever i've had periods of unemployment when i was younger anyway i used to feel really terrible like wretched like what's the you know i'm useless i can't get a job you know i'd i'd forget all the many things that i had done and achieved um and just focus on the negative so if there's one thing that i would just really encourage people to do is really enjoy and you know note down all the achievements that you do and have um and the things the challenges you've pulled off and the problems you've solved along the way because in those periods where we inevitably come to um if we're freelancers come to um periods of that are a bit drier and we don't we, we can't get the job then you're going to need those to remember those that actually i'm not worthless and i'm not useless and it's not hopeless because i've got all these skills and talents i've just got to keep going um in order to get my next one do you think part of it's about like sort of stamina? I suppose that my, my message there is just be kind to yourself and look after yourself. Try not to, I know it's human nature, but try not to continually compare yourself to other people and their success because you never know what they are going through. And so people have their own paths and journeys and you have your journey. And it's that, it's that story of the hare and the tortoise, if you know that, is that, you know, the hare and tortoise were in a race and the hare was so sure that he would win that he, you know, bounced ahead and then decided to do other stuff and have a nap because he was so sure that he would beat the tortoise. But the t- tortoise just went slow and steady, slow and steady. And actually the tortoise won the race. So I say that because I think go at your own pace. You know, you've got to consider your mental health, your physical health, your, your, the, all, all the other aspects of your life, your family, your friends, your outside interests, your think of life as a holistic thing. You know, don't put all your sort of well-being eggs into one basket, as in don't hang everything, don't hang all your happiness only on your job. There are many other things because if you do that, if you put all your happiness and your self-worth and fulfillment into your job, often you're in a position where you're not in control of that. You've got to wait for somebody else to give you a job or decide to hire you. And that can be a very disconcerting thing. I think I think that's definitely something really important, especially for film and TV, because people are so passionate and they do care so much about the work that it, it can become sort of the, the main focus of people's yeah. lives. And I, and I think also it's just like recognize what is going on so you know if we are so passionate about it and you know we are active doers we are creators you know and so it's just recognizing that in if you are in a period of time where you don't have a job or whatever 
and you are not able to create or solve problems or do things, then that is naturally going to be an uncomfortable time for you. It's almost like just if you recognize that, like, oh, I am going to feel a bit rubbish, you know, until I get my next job. It, it sort of, I think, helps in a way because you're not trying to beat yourself up even more for feeling that way. And I also think it's like when you're looking for another job, just, you know, make a big list, set aside a certain amount of time for actually job hunting, writing, emailing, contacting, etc., etc. But when you come to the bottom of that list, then just relax, you know, almost treat it like a working day and do something else that you know you enjoy like really really try and think okay well I've done my homework you know I've done my day's work in in applying for jobs and all that kind of thing there's nothing more I can actually do now uh, I've done, finished my list of people to contact so I'm just going to relax whatever watch a movie do do this that and the other have some exercise i think yeah, that's really important and especially because people sometimes say oh don't take things personally and because genuinely it's not a judgment on your character if you don't get a job yeah. or anything it's it just happens to be circumstances there's you know like so much it's about timing and and um and, and, that, and that's why i just go back to that hustle because you know part of that hustle is just like really making connections be cheeky about making connections you know like just be cheeky about sort of approaching uh, people that you don't know hi you know i'm so and so i've just had my first job on such and such i loved doing xyz i'm keen to do more can i have 15 minutes of your time on zoom just to introduce myself it's it's what can you do what can you do extra um, what is the most creative and entertaining way you can present yourself? You know, I always think that this about market, like, you know, sometimes I coach heads of marketing, you know, who, who are there to kind of sell stuff and all that kind of thing. And then if I look at their LinkedIn page, it's like really dull and drab and whatever. I'm exaggerating slightly, but I'm like, just use your skills, the amazing skills that you've got in terms of marketing other things on yourself. Look at yourself as a as a product. So I think that's something that you, we, we can all do. I mean, I try and make my LinkedIn page as interesting as possible and share interesting content, make interesting content, you know, because I think, well, um, you know, I, I want my public profile to be representative of who I am and what I offer. So if you are a sort of young creative in this industry, you know, what's the most creative way that you can present your CV? Uh, what is, you know, what can you, how does it show the work that you've done or the programs that you've worked on? So think about actually, if you were a project or you were a program, how would you approach it? What was the um, the cheekiest you've been in, in going up to someone, do you think? Oh, I mean, I do it all the time. I suppose I, you know, earlier, when I, when I was earlier, you know, younger, then obviously I wouldn't be so cheeky because I, I was an introvert. I still probably am. I'm alert, you know, I, I put on an extrovert qualities when I need to. Uh, I was very shy, very reserved, not not terribly... Inside, I wasn't terribly confident. I just put it on. I just sort of, you know, that thing, fake it till you make it. And um, but so I would say, like entry level people now, if that's made, you know, people who are at the beginning of their careers, if there are people that you look up to and admire, or people who've made programs, I just hunt them down, as in on LinkedIn or <laughs> or wherever, and say, you know, this is me. I'm greatly inspired by your work. Is there any chance that you would give me 15 minute Zoom call? Uh, just to give me some advice, you know? So I think, you know, and even if they don't come back, you know, try 10 people. 
and uh, you know, hopefully some people will come back. I think just go for it, really. Go for it. What have you got to lose? <laughs> what have you got? Nothing to lose. The only thing you've got to lose is an unanswered email. And then even those, if I email somebody and they haven't come back to me a month, a week later, I'll just resend them the email and say, hi there, you know, um, I'm just resending this in case it's got to the bottom of your email pile. Um, do say, do let me know if this is, you know, my first, you know, my request, whatever it was in the first email is, is just altogether too cheeky. But um, I can be completely understand. But, you know, um, if you've if you've got the time, I'd love to talk to you. You know what I mean? Just style it out. And I think I think it's about realising um, people are just it's just a person on the other side they're not this sort of magical oh exactly mythical yeah. being oh, that's, yeah and that's the other thing I suppose when I was coming up through the ranks sort of up the ladder I would always uh, and maybe this was my nature because I was kind of a swatty girl at school and you know always respected the teachers and all so I think when I was when I was um coming up I would always look at the kind of series producer or the exec producer or whatever with great awe and just think wow they know so much they they, they, they're, you know, so clever and they're right about everything. And then what happened was that as I got older, I got more confident and more sure of myself and got good feedback and all that kind of thing. But the real change for me happened when I was a series uh, editor, my first series editor job on a programme called Escape to the Country, which is a daytime show about people leaving the city to go and live in the countryside and uh, it was a high volume show and the, the commissioner that I was working for was going on maternity leave and I knew some of, the, some of the other commissioners in the daytime department I kind of had known from other shows and all that kind of thing and so they contacted me and said oh you know so and so is going on maternity leave will you apply for that job so I applied for that job went through the interview and, and got the job and suddenly as a commissioner I was watching cuts from other people and, and um, you know, taking sort of idea meetings with exec producers. And the people that I was feeding back notes to or taking meetings and listening to ideas from were the exec producers who normally I would be writing to for a job. So I kind of like leapfrogged over a layer. And what I realized was, wow, you know, no, there is no magic. It's not like they know anything super amazing more than me. It's obviously some hugely, hugely impressive, but not necessarily. And so I, I think my point there is just, is when you're young, you kind of look up to older people and, you know, people who've been in the industry longer as, as people who know everything and are always right and all that kind of thing. But I just want to sort of highlight that they don't always, you know, just because they are older and have more years on the clock or whatever, um, doesn't necessarily make them, you know, the ultimate best or the best leader or the best manager or... So I, I suppose my message to myself, if I was going to speak to my younger self, is have more confidence in my own abilities. Don't sit back and just take as gospel what everybody else think, thinks is a good idea. If you think there's a, something that's a good idea, then bring it out, bring it forward, speak up. And, and I guess the only way to learn those, those bits that you don't know to reach up to those levels that you like so admire is just to do it. Feel the fear and do it anyway. Get the experience, you know, just uh, keep striving, you know. Um, do you have sort of any practical tips i know that we've talked a little bit about some of the practical things that you can do like such as recording like your abilities do you have any sort of practical tips on on building resilience 
I, I think one good thing is that is see see yourself through other people's eyes because the thing about TV people, I think, if I'm going to really stereotype and overgeneralize, is that because they're so passionate and they are creative and resourceful and problem solvers and producers and all that kind of thing, they've got great drive and they're constantly striving for the next thing. And they often don't really celebrate their achievements along the way because I, I think I see a lot of people who are high achievers, uh, or certainly that mentality. So as soon as they've pulled something difficult off, they're kind of like, well, I've done it over my shoulder. What's next? They're concentrating on the next thing. Often, we kind of miss all the amazing things that we've done. We take for granted all the amazing things we've done. So that's why one of the things is just to write them down as you go along. And if you get any kind of email, if you get any emails that sort of compliment you on your work, um, don't bat those off. Don't be modest. Just sort of like say thank you and accept them and understand that that's how other people are seeing you and I think also on top of that is ask for feedback ask for what you did well ask for what uh, what you could do better and it's human nature to focus on what you could do better but make sure you've got a record of what people have said that you've done well so that you've got this kind of thing to look back on and then the, my point about seeing yourself as other people is that I think we often see ourselves in a much, much more negative and self-critical way than other people see us. So, you know, that whole thing about comparing other people, like if you sort of, I bet you'd be say to somebody, oh my God, you're doing so well, you landed that, blah, 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 blah. You know, they may not think it, they may not feel that inside. They may feel, yes, but somebody else has got this, that and the other and, and actually I'm really rubbish and I don't deserve to be here or whatever. But actually, my point is that often other people's view of your success and your talents and all the great things that you've got going for you are often more real than the image that you have of yourself inside because the image that you have of yourself inside is often very self-critical and very very harsh because you know because you're probably a perfectionist most people in in most high achieving talented driven people are perfectionists and that can be a great asset because you do a great job but it can also be a hindrance because nothing is ever good enough for you inside like you are never good enough for you so my tip is really to get feedback from other people, really listen to that feedback, that positive feedback about what you've done right and concentrate on the positives as much as you can rather than focusing on the negatives. Because I think also, I don't know, there's probably a natural modesty in culturally in this country, you know, mod, you know, people don't like show-offs and arrogant people, but there is a way of... Um, I think you can't really be too modest in this industry. You have to be able to talk about your assets and your talents. And I think the way to do that is instead of sort of saying, oh, I am the big I am, it's, it's, it's almost to say, well, I'm passionate about such and such and these are the challenges that I faced on this role and what I really enjoyed was having to work it out and what I figured is if I did this and this, da-da-da-da-da, um, and I was really happy with the outcome. So that is sort of talking about your achievements without saying, I'm the best ever. And it's bringing those examples as well, rather than just being like, I'm the best ever. You you have, you yes. know, backup for your own statements. Yeah, exactly. How would you define resilient? I, I, I can't help but start thinking about self-care first. So for me, it's like 
nourishing yourself with the the tool or, or the energy and the mindset that you need to either survive or to keep pushing forward. So for me, resilience is really about self-care and it's that all that stuff about not comparing yourself to others, that recognizing that everybody's on their own journey. And it's resilience for me is, you know, when if you're ever on a plane, the advice is in an emergency to put your own oxygen mask on first before you help anybody else. And so resilience to me is is very like that, is like what what is your oxygen mask? What do you need to give yourself, allow yourself, be yourself in order to be strong enough and um, of a good mindset to carry on? That's wonderful. Uh, Tracy, I want to say thank you so much for joining me this morning. You're um, welcome. This has been an amazing talk. I think it's really going to inspire a lot of people and, well, and hopefully we'll have a load of people who are, you know, speaking their their truth and being you know climbing climbing that ladder fantastic fantastic thank you so much abigail that was wonderful thank you so much tracy for talking to us and to you for listening if you want to find out more about Tracy's work, I'll leave links in the show notes. Oh, I've always wanted to say that. And if you want to find out more about Beyond Bronte's and Screen Yorkshire, those links will be there as well. Do leave a comment, a review, a five-star rating perhaps. And if you have any questions, you can email us at beyondbrontes at screenyorkshire.co.uk or get in touch with us on social media at Beyond Bronte's on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The music you are listening to now and in the intro is Soda Machine by Cabalistic Village. We hope you enjoyed and we will see you all again next time. Bye.